The Real on Reels, Episode 4. Fantastic Planet. A vacuum-based genocide. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Rob. I'm Jeremiah. And uh, we're back with the Real on Reels, and uh, this is Real on Reels, and today we're talking about yet another movie from the country of France. Yeah, we uh, didn't intend to do consecutive French films, but... Uh, Just the way it worked out. Yeah, my uh, my lovely girlfriend Paula suggested it, so we took the suggestion and we are very glad we did. Yeah, so Fantastic Planet is a uh, an animated, it's a very influential animated movie. Um, from 1973. Yes. And it is about basically these aliens called drogs and they're giant blue aliens and humans live on the planet with them, but they are kept as either pets or they're viewed as pests. Right. They're basically viewed as like rodents or insects or something. Yeah. And this animation, it's very trippy. It's very psychedelic. It's a, um, this is one heck of a trip of a movie. Yeah, it's. Um, I would imagine it's similar to the experience of uh, certain psychedelics. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think the animators were for sure influenced by some of that. Yeah, I mean the, it's it's hard. It's kind of hard to talk about it visually, because it's just so weird. Yeah, the <laughs> way I thought it was, they, it reminded me a lot of No Man's Sky, the video game. And if you're listening to this and you've played No Man's Sky and you know how the planets look and the creatures look sometimes, this has got that feel. No Man's Sky was definitely influenced by this movie, as was a lot of modern day art. Yeah, there's a very much a weird uh, like Salvador Dali element to yeah, it, yeah. like kind of melty and sinewy and flowy and kind of, yeah. Um, there's a lot of like... It's very like textured, right? Because um, it, this movie, it was the reason why I say it's influential is because it influenced so many animators, um, from Ren and Stimpy, which right. we'll talk about later, and South Park. This movie uses the techniques that Trey Parker and Matt Stone from South Park use, or the where they used to use with paper cutouts, and it's not like traditional drawn animation. It's more like stop motion animation. Yeah, it's another good example. From a sim, uh, from close to the re- release date of Fantastic Planet, which is um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail right. and some other Monty Python stuff. Yeah, some of the animated sequences. Yeah, this uh, like Monty Python and the Holy Grail came out just two years after this movie, and those, those that animated style that or that animation style that Terry Gilliam uses mm-hmm. is basically this the same style. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's a movie that almost everybody has seen, so that kind of is a good um, example. Yeah, and the. the and it's like, so the, the creatures, the aliens that we see on this planet are so mind-bogglingly designed. <laughs> like, some of them look like a, one one of them looks like a, a pig, but it's like a, a pig that's also like a fleshy croissant. <laughs> and it, like, walks around, it's all being all, like, fleshy croissant-like. And... Yeah, there's, uh, there are flying uh, predators yeah. that have a long tongue like an anteater. Yeah. And they make a terrifying screech. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little bit like a Godzilla type sound effect, actually, that yeah. they use there. I'm not sure how they made that sound effect, um, but they're they're scary looking 
creatures. Yeah, yeah. And they they eat humans like they're ants. That's how big right. they are. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's bigger than humans in this. Um except for a certain a certain like one like one animal that we see. Mm-hmm. Um that are that the humans can ride on. But yeah, everything everything's bigger. The yeah. the drogs, the the more intelligent species, the bigger the giants, they're they're more technologically advanced. Humans are in this movie are kind of like savages. Mm-hmm. Um they're uncivilized, but they're still intelligent. They're still humans. But these aliens treat them like vermin. They kill them yeah. indiscriminately, they step on them, they experiment with them, they like torture them basically. They do full out assaults on their entire species. Yeah. This is definitely a movie with a political message yeah they uh they commit genocide using vacuum like devices yeah yeah <laughs> it's like a a vacuum based genocide <laughs> indeed rob <laughs> that's definitely not going to be our episode title yes <laughs> okay so <laughs> yeah i so yeah, this is just to give you an idea of what the film is like. Yeah, you just, you have to like I'm, before we even get people, into what it's specifically about. Yeah, most people have not seen it, so we want to give you just a sense of how crazy this thing is visually. And we didn't even talk about the soundtrack yet. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, there's a there's a lot more there's a lot more meat to uh, yeah. To sink our the teeth soundtrack into is like Pink Floyd, mm-hmm. Adam Hart Mother, uh, metal. Those albums, those are early after Sid Barrett Pink Floyd albums. This is like be, after Sid Barrett, but before animals. That's what this, right. This is very much like um, the soundtrack. And sometimes it gets really like seventies parody porno music. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing is very, um, it, it, it's a celebration of seventies cliches, like right, yeah. right in the thick of when that kind of music was being done. Like yeah. it's, it's King Crimson influenced. It's mm-hmm. um, uh, there's some strings like dramatic, um, you know, kind of string arrangements in there and choirs even. And right. There's, um, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of that like waka waka guitar. Yeah. Um, especially in the <laughs> like the 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 orgy scene and yeah yeah the orgy scene that we we're <laughs> just casually mentioning out of nowhere. Yes, no, this is an yeah. a- animated film with a with an orgy scene. Yeah, the whole the whole story is is unusual. Like you wouldn't expect anything like this to be an animated film although it does because of the weirdness of it animation is definitely was it was a good choice yeah and do you want to get into the story a little bit since we haven't really meant brought that up yet yeah so um you know and, and um uh, just to uh mention quickly before we even get into that one of the i think one of the films that definitely came to mind as an influence was planet of the apes because there's that sense that like obviously the apes are the dominant species and so there's this scent this strong theme throughout the film of like of getting people to like flipping the the role on or flipping roles on um, humanity, kind of showing them like, okay, think about how you treat other creatures. Right. And uh, so that's a very strong uh, theme in this film. Yeah. This movie's basic main message is treat others like you'd want to be treated, I guess. Like it's, yeah, it has it just that treat everything good. Yeah. It has a very, just a, a very um, okay. easily understandable moral, very much a, like a hippie, hippie movie yeah there's some of that um and but yeah it, it, get, it gets into a lot of you know history sociology mm-hmm. psychology there's so much intellectual meat to it and um basically what happens is 
they there's a there's it's a revolution that happens pretty much that's kind of like the core core plot line this this main character who's a one of the pets of one of the one of the drugs name's terror t-r-r t-e-r-r yeah the human's name is terror his mother is killed by some drugs who are just kind of playing with her like a toy basically and actually it's that's one of the coolest scenes one of the most affecting scenes in a movie that i feel like doesn't have a whole lot of heart really you don't get to connect with people but there is a yeah. and we can talk more about that later but there is a scene right at the very beginning where the mother is being um you know tormented and um she ends up dying and and the boy he's just a baby at the time she's actually carrying him trying to protect him mm-hmm. so it's um a poignant scene but and that's another thing about it that actually um it's oddly kind of similar to what pixar does because they always put like the sad scene at the very beginning yeah yeah <laughs> so it's an interesting uh connection but and yeah, and the um, t- scene where they're tor- tormenting her, it's like it re- echoes Sisyphus. The myth, the myth of Sisyphus, yeah. The myth of Sisyphus. <laughs> the myth of Sisyphus. I like saying that. <laughs> but the um, myth of Sisyphus basically is somebody's rolling a boulder up a hill, and they only get, get to a certain point until it rolls back down. Right. Um, I'm sure there's more to it. I'm not too familiar with like the full myth of Sisyphus. Yeah. Um, Albert Camus, the um, absurdist philosopher wrote a, wrote a book about Sisyphus and, and how, and like trying to uh, use that as kind of a metaphor for the absurdity of life and how you kind of just have to not sweat anything. Like it's, it's kind yeah. of like not sweat the small stuff, except on a, on a kind of grand scale, like yeah. don't, don't concern yourself with, the absurdity of life just go with the flow and um, but basically she goes up the hill right and the drog knocks her down with his finger i think she does it a couple times right yeah and they end up like picking her up and dropping her and she just dies so tear the the baby he he kind of grows up with this drog uh tiva i think Mm -hmm. is the name of her and she you know she likes him she kind of treats him as a pet and doesn't you know let him get hurt and stuff and by the way they're kind of like aquatic looking creatures which yeah they kind of look like the monster from the shape of water yeah i wouldn't be surprised um i wouldn't be surprised if there's some lovecraft influence in this movie there are a lot of tentacles and things as well yeah yeah so the uh all the young drogs like tiva Mm -hmm. have to learn about the world and just absorb all of the the drugs uh, considerable knowledge they're a very intellectual race it's kind of a utopian society actually yeah uh where they don't nobody seems to really have to work much it seems like the technology is to a point where people pretty much just spend their time you know enjoying themselves and meditating um, yeah meditation is huge the, in this right meditation is like the hallmark of their civilization it's what they do and we'll talk a little bit more later about what meditation actually is to them yeah. which is very surprising Weird. yeah and you it's, know strange it's a it's a crazy plot twist that you never would expect but it, they literally spend most of their time meditating yeah. and uh but they you know there's so it, it's, it's kind of realistic in the sense that um, and this is one of the things I really liked about it as, as a sci-fi. Um, and there are a lot of great elements of it as a sci-fi, uh, even though it's also very much a fantasy. The kids have, you know, spend a lot of time learning and there's, they, they actually live a lot longer. Their time, time moves slow, more slowly there. Right. And, um, yeah, they live longer, but they don't reproduce as often as humans. Right. Humans to them reproduce like rabbits. Right. Yeah. And, uh, which is why they're considered pests. Right. So they have like these headsets that they learn 
with. Yeah. And one of the cool things about it is, and the scenes maybe are kind of boring sometimes, but the, you know, she'll, there'll be these kind of extended scenes where Tiva is learning. She's just like listening to like a narration mm-hmm. and, you know, there's a narration in the, in the background and she will kind of like have, I think they even show like some of the images and stuff of what she's learning, but it's, it's like, it's kind of like mundane stuff about like, the like different species that live on the planet it's It's like school natural history and biology and it's her going to school school's boring to kids (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah um but 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 tara is able to learn all this stuff so there's he's a pet mm -hmm. and she he has a collar on that controls his movement or pulls him in certain directions and the collar is malfunctioning so it picks up the signal from her headset right she's able to learn so he's he's able to learn yeah because they're they're still humans they're still they still have the same intelligence as us they're just kind of like in a different situation than us because if anything we're more like the drugs right now (laughs) um but it's 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 just it's very interesting yeah (laughs) the whole everything that could be read into this film oh yeah yeah. um, it's very intellectually hefty right um which is which is balanced out so nicely by the the weirdness and the and the the surreal uh like uh, sublime uh feeling that you get from some of these scenes like the when they're floating in the in the bubbles yeah it's um, was that that was part of the meditation right right yeah when they meditate they float in these bubbles mm-hmm. across the planet and yeah they float to uh one of the moons and we'll get into oh, yeah, yeah. more about what happens and actually the moon uh one of the moons is uh is the fantastic planet that's actually right. the one that they meditate or yeah that they go to they float to or whatever yeah um or or maybe is it a it might actually be like a distant planet that i think it's a to. moon it's a moon okay. of the planet that they're oh yeah yeah it is okay because the planet they're on is called yag uh, igam or oh yeah yeah it's um it's y-g-a-m yagam yeah um so yeah i don't well how'd you pronounce it Yagam or Yagam, yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, in the Fantastic Planet is actually the moon of yeah. Yagam or whatever it's called. Right, and so that's one of those things that you you would think that the the, the movie is actually about the the planet where most of the action takes place. And yeah, that's one of the things that's kind of funny about it. It's like this is obviously everything happening here is fantastic, but that's yeah. not even the the actual planet. It's like another yeah. level of fantastic planet. It's like that's like the goal. Yeah, that is the goal of the humans in this movie is to get to that. Right. Yeah um so what happens so yeah so he learns everything and and he ends up escaping with the headset and he comes across a um because there are like domesticated and and wild humans yeah yeah they're like wild tribes and so and they live in like you know like abandoned like uh egum like parks and things right like one of the place one of the areas that they live in is like their abandoned like rocket junkyard Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and so he but he meets his girl in the woods and they go off and um terror does terror does yeah yeah and because he, he runs away right yeah and um they're you know all make, making fun of his strange clothes that he wears because they they dress him in these really dorky uh, they dress the domestic humans in these really dorky clothes yeah um and he has to try and convince them to and i it's escaping me at the moment the the reference that for, for of this type of like plot element but he you know comes into this tribe and he is trying to convince them that they need to learn what the ega you know or what the uh ega. the drugs oh yeah are learning they need to learn all this information mm-hmm. so that they can use it against them right so he becomes like this like revolutionary political leader kind of mm-hmm. and he actually he actually earns leadership and 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 um gets to just make the decision about whether they should learn from the the headset 
by def- killing their leader. I think he kills him in a duel. And the way they duel is they like strap these weird like worm like things with with these like jaws. Yeah, like sharp teeth. They strap them to each other to themselves and tie their hands behind their back, and then they try to use that like they ride worm them. thing. Yeah, worm thing to try and kill the other person. Yeah, and uh, so he wins the battle, and then they very quickly. I think it's over the course of like fifteen years, is what it says. Mm-hmm. They develop spacefaring technology. <laughs> yeah. by learning from the the headset and and creating more. And, um, well, I mean, it does make sense. They're in a rocket junkyard, so they have all the parts. That does actually make, I didn't, didn't think have about the, it that they way. They didn't yeah. have the knowledge. Yeah, so. that's a good point. So, yeah, so they kind of build up this society and they end up, uh, they end up coming across, um, that's getting ahead a little bit, but they do at some point, like there's this other tribe that, that has the, the orgy scene that we were mentioning. Yeah. Where they like, um, glow and. and yeah, and odd, weirdly, that scene influenced an episode of Steven Universe, if you guys ever watched that, which is a great show, by the way. But uh, there's a scene, there's a, sep- a couple episodes of Steven Universe where they're in like this human zoo, and that seems to be very much influenced by this movie. But I can see, I can see a lot of animators, why a lot of animators would find this movie to be so influential. So well, yeah. I, 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 it's no wonder why it comes up in so many cartoons yeah i mean just the sheer imaginativeness of right. it plus the fact that they're that it's like wow this is an animated film that's not in the that doesn't use the disney formula yeah yeah so but anyway they they managed to kill one of the drugs like gulliver's travel style where they pull yeah. they like throw like lassos and stuff mm-hmm. around him the whole swarm of them and they they pull him down and they're able to stab him like you know hundreds of times probably and kill him and so that's kind of like a uh what who was that that archduke that uh, Franz Ferdinand, that's that was like the beginning of World War Take One. Take me out, <laughs> different Franz Ferdinand. Oh. So that was kind of like the Franz Ferdinand moment, and then it leads to this war. And of course, um, there's man. So we might as well get into the historical references and stuff here because yeah, the guy who wrote the novel that this movie was based on. Um. Oh yeah, we we didn't even mention that this is based on a novel. Yeah, by um, by a Stefan Wool. Um, Ohms in series. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what that title means, but well, the the Ohms, Ohms, Yeah, we didn't. I don't think we mentioned. Is, right. That's what they call the humans in this. There's the drogs, which are the aliens. The Ohms are the humans. Right. And, um, the the novel is about. It was inspired by the uh, Soviet occupation of Czechoslovakia, and when at the, at the time this movie came out, it still was Czechoslovakia, and this was so this was like current current events basically, or maybe a little after, I don't remember exactly the dates Mm -hmm. or anything, but you know, it was very much a real issue at the time. So this was kind of, this was probably thought of as a pretty inflammatory film in some ways at the time. I mean, well, yeah, it's about, it's basically just kind of about the humans flippant attitude sometimes toward human life. Absolutely. Um, And this movie just successfully reverses that role, the roles, you know, and yeah, forces it, you to make it, make you look at it in the other in the other perspective. Right, it makes its point in a very direct way. You might even say approaching heavy-handed, but mm, yeah, but you don't care because there's it does it in such an enjoyable way and such a, in a way that just um takes your mind to just these places that you never would go. Yeah, normally probably. Yeah, there's that theme, and there's definitely you could you could say that uh, there's that it's. Like there's like a Holocaust kind of theme in there oh, with yeah, the genocide, sure. the Gen- vacuum genocide. Mm-hmm. Though the 
Holocaust Holocaust was not a vacuum based genocide. <laughs> not that I'm aware of. And of course, uh, slavery. There's a uh, there's that theme, you know, because the yeah. the humans are uh, an enslaved race more mm-hmm. or less. Just um, mis- mistreatment of life is in general this movie is about it's just about bad people right right doing bad things (laughs) to other people and (laughs) species and whatever yeah it's not exactly a kid's film because there are a lot of like there are a lot of breasts and things but um and it's got got very sexual themes but it's a film that i would probably show like a young teenager like they could handle it it's not there's nothing i mean the actual rating is pg which is a little weird but um well, I mean, there's nothing like it's not there's nothing really too sexual about it. It's not it's yeah. not gratuitous in any way. Right, definitely um, not. Very tastefully done. Yeah, it, I mean, there's really no the the orgy scenes are kind of it's all implied. Yeah, there's yeah, nothing. it's all implied and it's very abstract and kind of psychedelic in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, they glow in the orgy and they have to walk on they have to make it like a journey while they glow and. Yeah. yeah yeah it's not like this is not like uh it's not like fritz the cat <laughs> yeah um and one of the trippiest scenes which you can look this up on youtube um there's one of the uh scenes where there there's four of the drugs like meditating in a in a row I and seen... terror sees them and uh their bodies are like being altered and yeah and they're all like sorts of weird ways weaving into each other and like uh just like Forming flowing into, like, into one another yeah, like and leaf shapes twisting and, and not, yeah you know like braid not, shapes and whoops, yeah. yeah knots and braids and that that was probably one of the trippiest things i've yeah seen in animation it was really cool very um, well done and, and it's could... kind of like a meditation slash i don't know if it was kind of like a sex scene too i yeah. don't know if that's how the drugs reproduce hmm. um, or if that's just how they meditate i'm not sure because mm-hmm. it seemed like they were interacting with one another, right? There was four, four of them, I think. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, because um, it seemed like the meditation was individual because they were in those bubbles, those individual bubbles. So I don't know. Yeah, that part is that stuff isn't made super clear, but, right? Um, with but the, with the bubbles, yeah. So what basically ends up happening is they the the these tribes of or this tribe of terror or uh, excuse me, ohms led by terror that gain all this knowledge and build these rockets, they go to the fantastic planet and they find out that what this meditation is all about, why they spend so much time meditating is that this is actually how they reproduce, perpetuates the rate, excuse me. This is how they perpetuate their race. And it's not, it's it's a kind of mating and Mm -hmm. it's so um, what they're basically doing is there, there are these like statues that are like humanoid but they don't have heads. And so the, the like bubbles are become like the rest the, upon the necks. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the bubble that the drug is in, like that his consciousness is in floating up to there through the, the use of this tech, not this, these special machines that they have, it like becomes a head on one of these statues. Then the statues like dance and, you know, like clearly the implication is that th- that's how they mate. Right. And it's, it's just very weird, <laughs> Yeah, but they, it's just so imaginative. Like I love watching a movie and, and just really being surprised by things like (laughs) for sure. It's it's just something I didn't expect. It's so weird. Yeah. There's fewer things uh, more baffling than watching this movie. 
I would agree, yeah. Um, and, and I love it. I loved every second of it. I think at times it gets, like we said, it can get a little, it can dra- dra- drag on a little bit. Um, and I'm sorry. I hope that's our only groaner for the episode. Um, well, don't drag this out. The <laughs> the worst. Yeah, I don't think I've seen a, a more artistic animated film in my life. Yeah, I would probably have to agree. I mean, there's some other good ones like, I guess, Fantasia or... Yeah, but I mean, in terms of just pure artistic value and Fantasia, it's Disney. Which is, <laughs> it's not like yeah. bad or anything. It's, it doesn't mean it's not art. Right, right. But I think this has a little more artistic merit than... Well, yeah, it has a lot, a much. It's got a lot more in its mind. It's got a lot more depth to it. Right. But the the ohms learn how to use this as a weapon, essentially. So they, when they go to the Fantastic Planet, they start um, destroying some of these statues because their rockets have lasers, apparently. Yeah. And so they they've really figured out how to strike at the heart of of the of their oppressors. Mm. And so it's a very cool, like, satisfying moment when you're like. Okay, now they got him by the you know what, so they the the they find um they find out that like well actually this might be a little bit earlier but they find out through their these um collars or whatever it is that they develop to be able to get the knowledge or maybe just smaller headsets I don't exactly remember but they find out that the the drugs are uh, wiping out all of the ohms in this one like big area like mm. a park or something. And because uh, the the drugs gather in these like big like auditorium type things with big screens that they watch, you know, to communicate with like their leaders or whatever. And so that's you know that's what's kind of going on. They're they're trying to you know this is very much a revolution. They're trying to figure out how to stop this. And so that this is what they figure out. And then so of course um, they're forced. They the drugs are forced to make some kind of deal with them. So they end up. So there's actually kind of a, a theme of like like diplomacy and even secession kind of because right. they end up having their own they give them their own like moon yeah uh they give the ohms their own moon they live peacefully ever after yeah so there's just a lot to unpack in how this how this plot unfolds and and, and just in this whole idea of like the sexual nature of the the drugs like how their whole society is based around this and it kind of yeah. it it, it makes you wonder if it's not influenced by like Freud and even maybe a little bit of Michel Foucault because there's this like Eros theme, I think, mm. where it's kind of like that's what that romantic desire really drives everything that they do. Yeah. Um, and even maybe a little bit of like a, an evolutionary kind of theme because, you know, there's the whole like sexual selection thing where, you know, species uh, are, you know, have uh, traits selected for by their opposite sex and things like that so it makes me wonder if they weren't incorporating these kinds of themes into it um, and just like how powerful that that drive is and that how it motivates people to go so far beyond just like basic survival and Mm. it just uh it seemed like there were strong proponent proponents of that kind of theory and i one of the things that another thing that was interesting about it was how it was kind of dystopian in a sense but also utopian yeah it was just dy- well, i mean it was utopian for the drug but dystopian for the humans right it's interesting how it it uh combines those Which, two i mean i guess you could say that about any dystopian novel because there's somebody in the dystopian novel that it's they're living in an utopia because they're just having a blast because there's somebody in the utopia 
that has power that's you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that like, is ev- true. Ev- it has to sense. that has to be a, a a factor in almost every dystopian novel. Right. But it's it's weird also because or, you know, dystopian story. Yeah. One of the things that's different though is that it's not and this is one of the things that adds to the complexity of it. It's the, it's not just like good versus evil. This is, you know, this is a, a race that we're intended to, the drugs that we're, we're intended to really identify with to some extent. I mean, they are, you know, these, these great intellectuals and they've developed all this technology. And yeah. in some ways it's like, wow, this seems like this would be a, a great way to live, you know? And it's not like they're not really evil. It's just that they don't. It's just the way they, yeah, it's just the way they were raised. <laughs> I mean, you yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like Loki in Avengers saying, you know, I, an ant has no quarrel with a boot. You know, yeah, they, we're just not on their level, um, and so or and they, they they don't see us as being. Yeah, we're level. just insects, and uh, so it is interesting. There's that complexity to it where they're both these intelligent beings, right? Um, and so you don't. Uh, I mean, obviously, you feel sympathy for the Ohms, and you don't really feel that bad when that one draw gets killed. <laughs> yeah. Because that that ends up leading to their liberation, really. Oh yeah, we should talk about that Ren and Stimpy episode. Yeah, space madness. Yeah, yeah. There's some weird uh, flora and fauna in that episode that clearly are influenced by the weird, like um, tentacular kind of flora and fauna and Fantastic Planet. And I think there's even a a, a plant that's like kind of like a Venus flytrap type thing that looks. I think it almost exactly like one of the creatures in, in fantastic planet. They had like an onion guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's got it kind of like an onion shape and yeah, there's some like weird, like Lovecraftian type monsters with, um, you know, with tongues and spindly legs and stuff like that. And in the movie and in that episode, you can definitely, and actually I think there's even now that I'm thinking about, it, there's some other episodes of Steven universe that I think were influenced by this movie yeah. uh, because of the, some of the weird monsters and stuff. Hmm. Um, so yeah, there's probably you could probably find a lot, a lot of influence if you looked, looked for it, um, just because it's it's so imaginative. When something this imaginative and different comes along, artists are gonna notice it and incorporate it because it, and partially also one of the things that's that's nice about it is that it's not well known really. Right. And so you kind of you'll sometimes you'll find when you go digging you'll find that that some like really famous director or artist or something used you know some somebody else's work who was who was obviously far less well known and mm. that was how they kind of weren't you know people weren't calling rip off on them because they just didn't they weren't aware of it yeah so yeah um what are your overall impressions what ultimately what do you do what do you what do you give this movie so i it's hard for me to again we're we're picking these movies that i'm just there's so many things i love about them um so it's a little hard to to find negatives but i would say and i haven't even read any negative reviews yet so i'm just going off of what i can yeah uh, kind of uh surmise and on my own but i don't did we mention this is only an hour long i don't think oh we yeah, did. yeah yeah, I, yeah that was i had that in my notes that that's one of the things i was going to say about it too is that it, it it feels like a complete epic in a lot of yeah. ways um for such a short runtime. yeah that's that's a good point it does feel like it could have easily been a three-hour movie yeah, but, if, if it was if it were more detailed and well, had yeah. more characters, yeah. yeah, they took a really big story and were able to to distill it down to um, a very simple progression. And there's yeah. even a lot of material in there that's just kind of like intended to be just 
vignettes for you to kind of drink in yeah. you know like all the weird uh, uh animals and plants you know doing their weird stuff uh, mm. the crystals exploding and yeah when they uh, <laughs> yeah the when the ohms whistle they explode the crystals oh yeah 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 and uh they, when, once they find that out they can't stop doing it, it seems <laughs> i can't whistle right now <laughs> so um but yeah i mean looking at it critically um you want to feel something when you watch a movie you want to be able to connect with it yeah you want to have um you know you want to connect with some character in it and um i like i said before i feel like i think the beginning was i felt a little bit of that at the beginning but i think overall it's a little bit of a cerebral and cold kind of movie it doesn't have a lot of heart really you don't really um you don't really feel like you get to know any of the characters it's kind of it's very plot driven i think well i think it's just because it's so critical of our species that's true too that it probably comes off as cold mm-hmm. and yeah that's absolutely true um but yeah there are no characters to root for. like well right. i mean you can root for the terror and the humans but which you should but i mean there's really no for an hour-long movie you don't really get to know these characters. It's more, right. this film's more of a Jackson Pollock painting than mm. anything. You know? Yeah. And actually, uh, according to some of what I read about the book, it, the book itself is, is it might be the, the fault of the book itself that it's kind of that way because it doesn't, it re- kind of reads like history from what I've read. Like it doesn't, uh, if it, if it doesn't kind of get you involved with the characters, if it's like Sil- the Silmarillion by Tolkien, where it's just kind of like a lot of stories, yeah. then I can imagine why it, mm-hmm. you know, the film would, would come off being, you know, not, not pulling you in. But, but given that if, if the book, it, you know, does come off that way, I think they actually did a pretty good job of, of adding some humanness to it and yeah, some heart to it for sure. Um, so that maybe, um, you know, redeems it a bit. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just so many, so many things to like about it. It's just such an artistic and important film. So I would probably have to give it a nine. Nine. Um, I, I liked it a lot. And I think I'd agree with most of your points that it does kind of feel cold. It feels more of a an art exhibit than mm-hmm. really anything than like a story. Obviously, there's a story there, but the, the visuals are so compelling Right. And so eye catching that you often kind of lose yourself within that yeah, style. And, and one of the one of the issues I have with it is the the narration done by uh the guy who the guy who narrates it is supposed to be Tear himself. He's supposed to be kind of telling you about oh, his experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's necessary to have that narration in there. And yeah. I think it also helps it sometimes kind of pulls you out of it when you should be just getting lost in the fantastic so this movie's like visuals. your blade runner blade runner right narration. I, that occurred to me yeah uh a lot of people don't like it ridley scott didn't like it mm-hmm. he didn't want the narration the studio wanted it so they put it in but then that's why blade runner has a thousand editions and everybody has a every every edition has their fans but um so yeah i i would probably give it an eight and a half okay 8.5 i'm only taking i'm taking a point and a half off of it because i just like you said, it's hard to connect with this, um, but I did. It did. It, it makes you reflect on mm-hmm. your behaviors and our role in this planet that we're on right now, Earth. <laughs> <laughs> and 
so it it is very poignant. I think it'll always be in a poignant film mm-hmm. as long as this planet is, you know, here. <laughs> but yeah, so I I just Yeah, t- it deals with timeless themes. Right. So how about we uh, take a look at what Rotten Tomatoes thought? Now that we the audience knows what we thought. <laughs> yeah, we like uh we like reading a few uh How'd you like tomato? That tra- how'd you like that transition? <laughs> It's a pretty good, uh, pretty good segue. Wait, there, what's have, let's have a quick meet, quick staff meeting. How'd you like that? Uh, <laughs> how'd you like that transition? Let me make sure I, uh, I'm not recording here. All right. So that was that was a terrible segue. You do a better job with your segues. Well, um, you know what? I'm gonna quit again, and we're not gonna be friends again. So take it back. Well, let's get this episode uh, in the bag first. Fine. All right. Press record. All right. So we're going to look at some... Oh, yeah. So um, me and my best friend, good friend, uh, amazing friend, <laughs> Jeremiah, are going to look at some Rotten Tomato scores, and um, the show will always go on, and nothing's wrong. We're all, Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Mom and Dad are not mad at each other. Of course not. But if we were, it would be your fault, listener. Especially right, when so. we get a divorce. <laughs> so looking at some top critic reviews here on Rotten Tomatoes, there's a guy... From the Chicago Reader, the name of uh, Don Drucker, who says the film has a flat quality that cannot entirely be overcome by the sensational animation and the obvious good intentions of its creators. I wonder what he means by flat. And I wonder if he's talking about the animation style, because I mean, it is paper, (laughs) which is notoriously flat. Usually. Yeah. If you can say one damning thing about paper, it's that it's flat. But it could also be talking about like what we were talking about. Um, it just kind of not Does not it? allowing us to connect. It's just a kind of a flat film in that it's that's just what it is. You're you're watching it. You're not really connecting to it on a human level. Right. Yeah. It's not. It's not. Yeah. You don't connect to it viscerally. Like you don't kind of feel what the characters feel. That kind of thing. Right. So here is a fresh review. Gary Dauphin from Village Voice. It's not every fancifully encoded cautionary tale that can survive the demise of its, of its historical villains, and it's not every stoner midnight movie that can stand a second viewing in the sober light of day. That is an excellent way of summarizing why this is still a movie that's worth watching. Yeah, and well written. Bravo, right. whoever you are. Gary Dauphin. Yeah. yeah, excellent writing there. So let's look at some audience reviews. Um, Yes. Two stars. Fantastic Planet has fantastic artwork and scenery, which makes it so aggravating that it also has stale acting, stinted animation, and out-of-place scenes. Um, out-of-place scenes. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't see where he's coming from with any of that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the animation, I guess you could criticize it, but I think it's beautiful. I don't know... If stinted is the really the right word i think it's if it's stinted it's purposefully stinted like everything in terms of that style was purposeful right but i mean i guess yeah i mean you cannot like it but i don't think it was i think the art style is phenomenal and obviously influential right yeah did we talk about how oh we did mention south park that's right five stars <laughs> A must for every stoner or tool fan, man. 
<laughs> yeah, I added the man part, but I am a fan of Tool. Fair enough. Yeah. I like this movie, so I guess that's a a good review. <laughs> I can agree with that. I'm going to read this uh, three and a half star review by a super reviewer on Rotten Tomatoes. Definitely a product of its time. Fantastic Planet is so obviously aimed at stoners that one feels guilty watching it straight. Wow, there's a lot of stoners references in this. Between the outer space setting, the bloopy synthesizer score, the fanciful creatures, the lava lamp vistas, the emphasis on out-of-body meditation, and a host of drug-like rituals, the film practically reeks of marijuana. (laughs) Head flick alert. See it with a giggling friend. I don't... um... The dull color palette is a minus. Most of the scenery has a similar salmon-colored tone, but the one glaring flaw is an inexplicably rushed ending. After 70 minutes of graceful storytelling, the denouement feels like something tossed together on a deadline. Wham, bam, film over. What? (laughs) I don't think it needed a longer denouement than what it had. Yeah, I thought it had a pretty good denouement. Yeah. So, um... We have to talk about something, audience. Yeah, we need to issue a couple of corrections. And, and apologies. Mm, well, I'm not going to apologize for anything, but... Yeah, me either. If you uh, want an apology, might as well wait for the sun to supernova, because that's going to happen first. Probably, Rob. Probably. So, we have and- some corrections to make <laughs> from a previous episode. Our yeah, previous so, episode on The City of Lost Children, episode three. Yeah, which was just our last one. So <laughs> we mentioned, we, we speculated that Guillermo del Toro discovered Ron Perlman because he was in The City of Lost Children, and del Toro was clearly influenced by that movie. Turns out, um, and I knew this, but I, I didn't know about the, the chronological order of things. So... Del, Guillermo del Toro's first movie was Kronos with a C, which is a, a kind of a an oddball take on the whole vampire trope. Good movie. And Ron Perlman was in that movie, and that movie came out in 1993, which was two years before The City of Lost Children. Mm. And so he had he had already known about him before then. So yeah. So we uh, we messed up. Yeah. And, we um, are nothing if not these honest. things happen, but <laughs> it's tragic when it happens. It's we almost um, we lost almost lost everything, and but yeah, we're sorry. All right, pull it together, Rob. Uh, I think you've got uh, a couple more. Yeah, we did make a couple of other mistakes. I just got to go over real quick. Um, Sophie's choice was not about picking a Ben and Jerry's flavor. Yeah, that was um, that was just a, a slight plot synopsis you, error. I don't know why you said, I don't know why you said that. Yeah, that was really stupid. Um, and this one was my bad. <laughs> Baguettes right. are not sold in French movie theaters instead of popcorn. They I, just have popcorn there. That is just so hard to believe. Like I would have just assumed, you know. Yeah. Um. Again, this one's on me. Glenn Gary Glenn Ross is not also the name of the director of that movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting bit of trivia. Well, see, that was the interesting one because I meant, I said that and then you kind of agreed with it. You're like, oh, yeah. I know Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. I like his other movies. And then I was so confident by your reassurance that 
I just figured there's no way that I'm wrong and there's no way I'm betraying the audience right now by being wrong and telling them wrong information. Well, you know, uh, we all, we're all guilty of, uh, you know, kind of playing our way through a conversation. Yeah. Okay. When, <laughs> just get these, there's two more. We got to get this out of the way. Sorry. And no matter what Jeremiah says, Legally Blonde was not called Illegally Blonde before the movie was legalized in the United States. Really? Yeah. Because, I mean, we all know that was banned here for such a long time before it was released because of its violent and... Well, yeah, I mean, it's a... Uh, it's sexually a gratuitous, uncut a, version. Inflammatory film, really. I'm surprised it's... Surprised it was legalized. I mean, I guess they edited, it, edited out some of the worst. Yeah. Well, I mean, most states got medicinal, legally blonde f- viewings oh, first. Okay. And then that makes more sense. That kind of opened the doors. It was kind of a okay. gateway law, if you will. Right. Anyway, um, and finally, and I I cannot stress this enough because we've gotten some legal notices and we just we want to squash this and I was wrong. I, yeah, our I lawyers, guess I don't have the evidence. What? Our, our lawyers uh, kind of wanted us to include this one. So. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hanks is not, no matter, I mean, he looks like, okay. Tom Hanks looks like one, but he is not a serial killer. Yeah. No matter, just just don't ever believe that. Yeah, despite all the evidence, um, yeah, we're just going to say, we're just going to say he's not, not a serial killer. So yeah, I'm glad we got all those out of the way. Um, be rest assured, oh, audience. That's a, that's a weight off my shoulders. I know we, oh, man. We, all the paperwork we had to fill out for this. It's been a nightmare. <laughs> mountains, mountains of paperwork for a simple mistake on a podcast. <sighs> okay, so if you if you if you want to stick with us. If you want to, want to listen to more, uh, we'll try our best not to make any more of these mistakes. But if you want to listen to us more, you, you can find us on Twitter. At Real on Reels. At Real on Reels. On Facebook.com slash Real on Reels. Anchor.fm slash Real on Reels. You can find us on all your podcatchers. Subscribe, like, um, do whatever you got to do to know how to get to us and how to listen to our stuff. Um, shoot us an email at real on reels official at gmail.com yep if you have any questions or uh, movie suggestions or anything um, yeah we will address those on the show we are in desperate need of the material and uh, we'll probably use it that's likely Rob it is Jeremiah so we're, anything- we're, we're we haven't quite hit our that that point where we've just blown up and it gets really hard to answer everybody so yeah. we can probably answer your your messages if I, you send us yeah i could probably squeeze it in yeah but after that like i said so. with peace and love peace and love no more fan letters sent to my address right. but but uh but you're good now we're we're not quite there yet yeah all right uh you got anything else you want to talk about before we uh end this episode no well, that's good cuz neither do i toodles bye bye